God has laid on my heart this morning. If you haven't heard, Dr. Merritt is out sick. So if you're visiting from out of town, uh, we know that some of you have done that. We apologize for that today. He desires to be here, uh, but he can't. Uh, he really wants to be here this morning. Is apologetic that he can't. If you're here uh, looking from our Mill Creek campus, I'd like to welcome you as well. My name is Jason Kane. So glad to have you guys uh, here with us today. Um, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes you get a call that you're not expecting that catches you off guard, uh, and that's the call I got this morning when I found out that I was preaching. If there was ever a time when I wanted the rapture to come, it would be right now. Uh, so, Lord, come on. Okay. I guess we'll have to do what we have to do. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for your prayers this morning. I truly need them. As a matter of fact, before we get started, uh, can we bow for a word of prayer? Father, this morning, we are grateful that you are sovereign over everything that our plans may get out, get in the way sometimes. Our plans may change, but your plans never change. They never fail. You know exactly what you are doing. You laid the foundation of the earth. Our trust is in you. God, this morning you know that I need you to anoint me for this moment. That without you it is impossible for me to share your word with your people. So I come today like never before. Laying down and trusting you. These are your people. This is your word. So speak to their hearts. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, turn it with me to Psalm 73. Psalm number 73. It is a long Psalm, 28 verses, uh, but we'll just read a few of them uh, so that we can get an uh, understanding of what God's word says. Psalm chapter 73. I will read verses 1 through 3, and then we'll skip down and read verse. 23 through 26. So Psalm 73, verse 1 through 3, then we'll skip down and we'll read verses 23 through 26. It reads this way, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 24, excuse me, verse 23. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion Forever. One more time, verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. This morning I want to preach uh, from the topic, when faith escapes. When faith escapes. Whether or not you're willing to admit it, there are times in all of our lives when, we're, when we find ourselves questioning if the righteous lifestyle that we're forced to live and called to live as Christians is truly worth it. There are times in our lives when we are left wondering if the effort we put into living right will actually pay off. These questions often come to the forefront of our minds when we experience struggles that we feel we shouldn't have to face if we're children of God. If I can be honest, for just a few brief moments, I have to admit that there have been seasons in my life where I struggled with my faith and it felt as if my faith was escaping. If I have to be honest for a moment, there are times when I look around the world we live in and I wonder if the God that we preach about, the God that we read about, really cares about humanity. If I can be honest, for just a moment when my faith 
has escaped him. My trust in God was nowhere to be found. It seemed as if my feet were slipping. When it is that I see people that are striving to be close to God, experiencing disease in their body, it makes my faith escape. When I see people who have a desire to have children but can't do so and they go through this agony and pain, it makes my faith escape. When I have loved ones that pass unexpectedly or hear stories on the news of young girls who are going through difficult things, it makes my faith escape. And the reality is that all of us in here have had moments in our lives where we were wondering if God really cares and our faith began to escape. When I realized that there are some illegal things that I could do when I'm struggling in life, and I realize that there are some things I could do that are outside of the will of God that would allow me to prosper, it makes me question whether or not following God is really worth the sacrifice. Has anybody else ever experienced that in your life? Have you ever had a time in your life where it seemed as if living for God would be a whole lot easier and life would be a whole lot easier if you made the decision that I'm not going to do what God has called me to do. I'm not going to do what God's word commands me to do, but I'm going to live for myself and do what I want to do. And I can tell by the looks on some of your faces that you're shocked to hear this coming out of my mouth. That how can a preacher stand in a pulpit and say that people's faith will sometime escape? How can a preacher stand in a pulpit and say that there will be times where it seems as if living for the world is better than living for the world? But the reality is no matter who you are, no matter what you've gone through, we all will have times where we question our faith and our faith seems to escape. For those of you who feel that I'm out of line, the good news is that we have a biblical example of a man who went through a season in his life where it felt as if God was not on his side and he did not know which way to turn. This man is a man by the name of Asaph. Asaph, the author of Psalm 73, is actually the chief worship leader that was appointed by David to lead the people in worship. And although he was called to lead the people in worship, he even had vulnerable moments where it felt as if his faith was escaping. He even had a vulnerable moment in his life where it felt as if God was nowhere to be found. This man who was a worship leader, who sung the praises of God, experienced a difficult season in his life where he wondered, why was it that saints suffered while sinners succeeded? Have you ever been there in your life? Have you ever had a time where you surveyed the, 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 ter the territory of your life when you looked around and you wondered if God cared about what you were going through because you saw how wicked people prospered while you, a person who's in church every Sunday, who's giving your tithe, who put your faith and trust in God, yet it felt as if he was nowhere to be found? Asaph has a moment in the season where he asks the question, why is it that saints suffer while sinners succeed? He opens up this psalm in verse number one with a proud announcement. He says, truly, God is good to Israel. As he makes this announcement, you can hear in his voice a bit of sarcasm if you read the verse following it. Because in the first verse, he says that God is good to Israel, but then he spends the next 13 verses complaining about the lot that he has been given in life. And some of us have showed up to church this morning. People have asked us how we are doing. We come with our Sunday morning smile, but the reality is our smile isn't saying what our soul is feeling. That our soul and the inward parts of our body, we don't feel as if God is good. That there are times where we question whether or not good God has been as good as his word declares that he is. Have you ever had a moment in your life where it felt as if your faith has escaped? In verse 2, Asaph says that his feet had almost slipped. Asaph came to a place 
where the foundation of his faith was no longer holding him up. This psalmist uses imagery of his feet sliding off the edge of a cliff. His feet, his own walk with God, begin to slip. And he says, I have lost confidence in God. As he speaks in verse number two, you can almost see him standing close to the edge of a cliff with dust and stones and pebbles beginning to fall off the edge. And Asaph's faith is beginning to go over the edge as well. And he's about to give up on God. His feet had almost slipped. He felt that he was left with no choice but to wonder, is God really on his side? And that's the testimony of somebody in this place today, that you've come to church wondering, is God really on your side? Does God really care about you like you hear each and every Sunday? You're left wondering, does God really care about your life? Your faith is escaping and the foundation of your life is about to go away. Allow me for just a few brief moments to go through this text and dissect the conversation that Asaph has with himself after he's, attempt, after he's almost slipped and lost his faith. The first thing that this text shows us is Asaph's aggravation. Asaph's aggravation. Asaph begins to feel a bit aggravated after knowing several things about wicked people are those who were not in relationship with God. He says, I'm aggravated because I see the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 3, he says, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Asaph was aggravated because he sees those who could care less about God, who don't have any reverence for God, who don't even come into God's house prospering. Asaph is aggravated because he sees the wicked winning. Not only does he have to witness the wicked prospering, but to add insult to injury, he has to see his own poverty. Have you ever had a time in your life where you looked around the world and you saw people who you knew weren't living for God, who you knew were enemies of God prospering, and you became a little bit aggravated, wondering, how is it that I continue to do the things that God has called me to do, yet I'm seeing others prosper? while I live a hard life. Have you ever had a time where you saw the saints suffer and sinners succeed and you were wondering how is it that God could allow this to happen? The wicked aren't the ones being faithful. They're not the ones trying to live a righteous lifestyle. They're not the ones spreading the good news of the gospel, but yet it feels as if they're the only ones being blessed. And I have to admit that I, like Asaph, get a little aggravated. I get a little irritated. It kind of rubs me the wrong way when I can't seem to catch a break, but everybody around me who could care less about God seems to have it going on. It's a bit aggravating to watch the ungodly and the wicked prosper. Not only does he see the wicked prosper, but he also sees the wicked's perspective in verses 8 through 11. In verse 8 through 11, he says, they scoff, they speak with malice, they threaten oppression, they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts against the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to him and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there no knowledge of the most high? Asaph says the perspective of the wicked is one where they don't see God as the giver of life. They don't see God as the one that wakes them up every morning. As a matter of fact, these people who Asaph sees succeeding question in verse 11 if God really knows what's going on down here on earth. There is nothing more frustrating than being asked the question, if God is so good, why are things in your life so bad? 
And that's what Asaph is dealing with. He's dealing with people ridiculing him because of his own faith in God. He's dealing with people looking down on him because of his faith in God. And he is left wondering, why is it that the wicked seem to succeed while I seem to fail, while I seem to struggle, while things don't go my way? We see in the very first thing that Asaph experiences an extreme amount of aggravation. Have you ever been aggravated with God before? Have you ever been willing to say, God, I don't know if you care about me? Have you ever come to the place where you were wondering if God was even on your side? Have you ever been aggravated with God? Now, I know it's not a popular thing to say. I know that we want to talk about how good God is and how great he's been to us. But the reality is there are some things that all of us experience that leave us wondering, does God care about my life? And you, like Asaph, have been aggravated. Not only do we see Asaph's aggravation, but secondly, we see Asaph's declaration in verse 13 and 14. He says, all in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Asaph says, after the wicked prosper, I feel as if the righteous lifestyle I've been living has really been a waste of time. Asaph says, I've cleansed myself. I've lived pure for no reason. Asaph feels that there should be some reward for the righteous lifestyle that he's been living. And I've been there when I felt like because I was living for God, because I was doing what God was asking me to do, that I should be rewarded greatly, that I shouldn't have to suffer because I've lived for God. And Asaph says the same thing, that because I've lived for God, I feel like my life should be better. I feel like my circumstances should get easier. I feel like I should have health in my body. But he makes this declaration and says, I am experiencing this frustration, and it feels like I have cleansed myself. I have lived righteously. I've showed up to church. I've given my tithe for all in vain. As I read verse 13, I realized that Asaph really wasn't as righteous as he thought that he was. As a matter of fact, he fails to acknowledge that God is the one who does the cleaning, cleansing. Further, that God is the one that gives him the desire to live righteously. Asaph says, read it carefully, I have cleaned my heart. Could it be that some of us are experiencing our faith escape because we think too highly of ourselves? Could it be that we've been looking down on the wicked when God says, you're just like the wicked? Could it be that we believe that we are all high and mighty when the reality is our righteousness is as filthy rags? In other words, even on our best day, we aren't as good as we think we are. So when you come to the point in your life where you're experiencing your faith escape, take a self-assessment and realize the only reason you're here today is not out of your own goodness. The reason you're here today is not because you've cleansed your own heart. The reason you're here today is not because you've made yourself righteous, but because you serve an all-powerful God that sent his son to down the cross for your sins, and that is what has cleansed you, not yourself. You don't live righteously because you're so great, but rather you live righteously because God gives you the desire to do so. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, it is God who works in us both to will and act according to his good purpose. In other words, there is no goodness in ourselves, that the only reason 
we are able to do what God has called us to do is because he is the one ruling it in our hearts and causing us to act it out. So when you begin to look down on the wicked, when I begin to look down on people who I feel like God should not bless at all, I need to take a self-assessment, look in the mirror at my own life and realize that I don't always dot my own eyes, that I don't always cross every T, that I haven't been perfect in following his word and I'm a recipient of the grace of God and that is the reason that I have anything that I have. He says that he feels as if God does not care about the righteous life that he has been living. He was so focused on the flaws of others that he fails to see the flaws in his own life. Not only does he say, I've cleansed myself in vain, but he goes on to say, I am rebuked every morning. Every morning, Asaph work, work, work wakes up. He goes out into the streets, and he sees the wicked prospering, and he says, that that is an insult to him. That every morning he wakes up and he has to see people who don't care about God mocking him. He has to see people who don't care about God prospering. He has to see people who don't care about God not experiencing the struggle that he's experiencing. But what Asaph is missing is the fact that he has woke up is the blessing that God has already given him. The Bible tells us in Lamentations that the, that the Lord gives us mercy every single morning. So every breath that we take is not a breath that we deserve. Every time we wake up is not because we deserve it or our alarm clock did it, but because God was gracious and merciful to us and allowed us to wake up. When you wake up every morning, that ought to be something that you thank God for before you go out into the streets. Asaph complains about being rebuked, but God was not rebuking him. God was giving him the mercy that he did not deserve. Asaph, in his frustration, makes this declaration that God rebukes me every morning. But what he's missing is that even the rebuke of God is something that he should be thankful for. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that God chastises the ones he loves. In other words, sometimes we go through things and we experience difficulty, not because God hates us, but because God loves us too much to allow us to get settled in the sin that we've been experiencing. We should be thankful for God's corrective hand because his correction gets us back in line so that we can live according to his will. That's why in Psalm number 23, David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, y'all may not know this, but a rod was not used to comfort someone. A rod was used to get somebody back in alignment when they had been disobedient. David says that the rod of God had comforted him. In other words, when God punishes us, when God shows us our sin, when he shows us where we have messed up, he is getting us back in line because he knows if I continue to allow you to go through our, down the wrong path that you'll end up worse off than you are right now. I thank God for the times that he has rebuked me and corrected me before I went too far down the wrong path. As a father, one of the hardest things for me to do is punish my children. I absolutely do not like punishing my children at all. But I recognize that if I don't punish my children, that they'll get themselves in more trouble in the long run than they will in the short run when daddy can correct them and get them back in shape. And we ought to be grateful for the same thing, that we serve a God that loves us, that cares for us, that nurtures us enough not to continue to allow us to go down the wrong path, but will correct us, put us on the right path, and allow us to live for him. I thank God for his correction. We see Asaph's frustration. We see his declaration. But finally today, we see his realization. His realization. It comes in verse 17 through 22. 
Actually, starting at 16. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned therein. Truly, you will set them on a slippery place and you will make them fall into ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away by utter, utter terrors. Like a dream, when one awakens, O oh Lord, when you ruse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. After Asa spends these 13 verses complaining about the life that he's living and complaining about the wicked people prospering, he comes to a realization in verse 17 that he's not the one who is really slipping, but it is those who aren't experiencing the corrective hand of God that are really falling into despair. Asaph realizes that for a moment it may appear as if the people who are outside of the will of God are succeeding. They really aren't in the long run. Asaph has the realization that God is the one who is actually on my side, and although I may be experiencing trouble and pain right now, in the long run, I will be better. But he doesn't have this realization, it says, until he goes to the sanctuary of God. What is the sanctuary of God? The sanctuary of God in this time was the place of worship. The sanctuary at this time was the place of God's presence. The sanctuary at this time was where the people went in order to give praise to God. And it wasn't until Asaph began to worship, until he began to thank God for what he had, that he had a true realization that although things were difficult for him right now, that it wasn't going to always be that way. That although it looked like the wicked people were prospering right now, that it always was not going to be that way. He went to the sanctuary. The next time you find yourself feeling as if God doesn't love you, feeling as if your faith is escaping, you need to spend time worshiping and praising God and focusing on Him and not focusing on them. Worship causes you to take your focus off what's around you and put your focus on the God who's above you. As we look around this earth, certainly, there are some things we will see that will cause us to question whether or not God is holy and righteous and cares about us. But if we take time to look up to God, if we place our focus on him, if we realize that he's the one that created the world, that he's the one that sent his son to save us, that he's the one who has given us life and life more abundantly, then we will realize that I am not the one who's suffering. But it is those who don't know God that is suffering. When is the last time your heart broke for somebody who you knew was out of the will of God but not experiencing his rebuke? When Asaph looks at the God above him, he begins to see that the wicked will one day be punished. We have to recognize that God sees us. He sees what's going on. We have to realize that we who are in Christ are more blessed than those who are out of Christ. That's why we can see on TV men who are having their heads chopped off by ISIS singing the praises of God while they're doing it because they realized that they were the ones who were truly blessed. You can take everything from me, but what you cannot ever take is my relationship with Christ. I might lose my house. I might lose my job. I might lose my car. I might lose loved ones that I love. But the reality is as long as you have God and as long as you have Christ in your heart, you have more than what you even thought you had. So I'm thankful for the relationship that I have with Christ. And Asaph's realization moves him to a place where he begins to praise God for what he has. In verse 23, he says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. His realization caused him to see that he had divine protection. Folks, the thing that we ought to celebrate is the fact is that God is always with us. 
He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never leave us on our own. But God is constantly with us, even when it appears and feels like he is not. God is close and God is there. His realization also causes him to recognize that he is on a divine path. In verse 24, it says, you guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. That the path that Asaph on is the one that leads him right to the glory and presence of God. And folks, we have to be thankful. We have to be faithful in recognizing that when things get twisted in life, when things don't seem quite right, that we are on a path that leads us directly to God. Then finally, he realizes that he has divine promotion in verse 24. He says, you will receive me to glory. Folks, the honest reality is that all of us in here will have times in our lives where we question whether or not God truly loves us. We'll have times where our faith will seem like it is escaping because of the situations we're experiencing in life. That you may be going through a difficult time in your marriage, that your children may be giving you a difficult time, that you might be having a difficult time in your health, and it may lead you to question whether or not God loves you. But the great news for all of us is that God has given us his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who wants to receive us, who loves us, and in Christ, we have every single thing we need. Some of y'all have a favorite verse, me included, that's not even in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say this life will be easy, <laughs> but I sure wish it did. What the Bible does tell us is that we can put our faith and trust in Jesus. And When your faith is beginning to escape, when it seems as if life is beating you down, you can turn toward Christ and recognize in him you have all that you need. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I'm so thankful for your word that gives us examples and shows us in a clear way in the book of Psalms that there are people who loved you, who adored you, that can relate to the challenges that we experience. 